Hello and welcome back to Episodes of Psychosis. I'm your host, Mervyn. I hope I thank you for joining us today. I hope that this will be a beneficial discussion around psychosis uh, for caregivers and loved ones of individuals suffering psychosis, as well as those individuals suffering themselves. Today we'll get, we're going to be talking about a concept that I've been developing in my thinking about delusions. Um, and specifically something that we could pay very close attention to when it comes to the formation of the the delusions in their early stages, as well as um, problems around thinking during recovery from an episode of psychosis, and that is the confusion of intentions and motivations of others. Um, So people suffering from psychosis may not be able to determine other people's intentions with the crystal clearness of, of, uh, of others. Uh, so they may experience a strong tendency to assimilate the intentions of others into a theory about others that they're forming um, spontaneously and and so we w- I want to talk a little bit today about what individuals suffering from psychosis might may be going through when they're forming these um, ideas, these attributions about people's intentions, their motivations. When they're observing behavior, what is going on in their mind that is leading to confusion with regards to the behavior and activities of other people. So that's what I want to talk about today. And I think, I think that it would be, um, beneficial because, uh, beneficial both for, um, suffering individuals to understand where their, their psychosis is leading them in terms of their thoughts and what they can do about it. And the same thing for caregivers and loved ones. What, what is going on and what can you do about it um, to better support the individual who's suffering from psychosis? I should mention before starting that this is my own speculation uh, based on my own observations about... Uh, individuals suffering psychosis uh, from my personal experiences as well as what I've read and seen uh, uh, in the lives of others going through psychosis I this is not meant to be taken as um, medical science or as treatment advice Uh, it's simply aimed at providing a supportive an encouraging voice so that you can um, have renewed passion and, and enthusiasm for uh, for tackling head-on the issues involved in um, psychosis, whether you be an individual diagnosed with psychosis or whether you be a caregiver or a loved one for such an individual. Um, so again, this is not meant to be taken as medical advice, but merely an encouraging word for those of you impacted by this debilitating illness of the mind. Uh, That being said, I'd like to talk a little bit about what our intentions 
and what our motivations. <clears throat> so from my perspective, intentions and motivations, uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to social interactions, intentions are the the thought, the mind behind uh, what drives behavior. So when when a person with psychosis is perceiving um, an individual who's engaging in a certain behavior, it may be extremely challenging and difficult for the person with psychosis to figure out what was the point of view behind the actions and what was the purpose of the actions. So this can lead to some ambiguity for an increased level of ambiguity for the individual with psychosis. And I have two kind of uh, theories on what's causing the problem or the confusion. One may be an inability to disregard ambiguous um, uh, an, an ambiguous situation and just dismiss it uh, for quote unquote normal people, perhaps their ability to just filter out and ignore um, irrelevant actions and irrelevant behaviors and minor and subtle things, maybe that, that ability to filter that out may be diminished for people experiencing an episode of psychosis or leading up to episodes of psychosis because uh, of a hyper hypersensitivity uh, paying ex because people with psychosis or uh, with the predisposition to experience psychosis, they may have a hypersensitivity to the environmental cues around them, to the social events around them. So that's one theory. The other theory is that there's just a general confusion uh, for the individual who's affected. Um, the affected individual may in fact um, not be able to puzzle things out as easily. Um, so, so maybe both of these theories are right. Uh, maybe one's more accurate than the other. I don't think it really ultimately matters for the purpose of this discussion and the main purpose of this discussion is to talk a little bit about what's going on in the mind of the affected individual in order to have more empathy and in order to try and create a situation that is most supportive for the individual. So that's what I'd like to talk about. Uh, in a few minutes, but first I want to further explore and unpack what I what I think I mean by this idea that um, intentions and motivations of observed behavior are getting confused for the affected individual. I want to argue that ambiguous situations are the worst cause of confused intentions. Uh, ambiguous situations would be any actions or environmental cues um, that lead the observer to have a little bit of uncertainty about what the purpose of the actions were, what the intentions were, and what's going on in the situation. So. Ambiguity here. I'm using the word ambiguity here to capture um, sort of 
any be any situational features of the environment as well as personality uh, and behavioral um, uh, behavioral features of the actor um, I'm trying to capture ambiguity uh, in its most general sense including all the features of the environment and the perceived actor as well so uh, it's a little bit abstract I know so I'm gonna try and use a couple examples to drive home the point that ambiguity is the worst uh, for people suffering psychosis Ambi ambiguous situations are not good um, so one of the examples that I used in the previous uh, episode talking about the hell of waiting uh, in the hospital, waiting for it, um, processing and admission and so on. Um, one of the reasons that this is such a hell is because there's absolutely no stimuli in that moment except for the four walls and whatever loved one happens to be with the affected individual, if applicable. Um, and just that waiting gives you a lot of latitude, gives the mind a lot of latitude to attach meaning and most likely incorrect meaning to that situation. So that's an ambiguous situation of just waiting around, waiting for something to happen. That ambiguity leads the mind, if it's racing, or if it's struggling to connect the dots to make an explanation for what's going on in that situation, that waiting gives a lot of um, gives a lot of latitude to the mind to construct incorrect theories about exactly what's going on. So what I want to argue uh, is happening in these types of situations where ambiguity is prevalent is that the mind is struggling to construct an explanation as rapidly as it can because this uncertainty is either extremely distressing or it's um, not possible for a person with uh, in the psych in the state of psychosis so what I think is happening is the mind is constructing an explanation to diminish or eliminate the ambiguity, it is effectively jamming a story together to make sense of what's going on as rapidly as possible. Um, and so it will draw on cues in the environment, um, but it will rely very heavily, the mind will rely, the affected mind will rely very heavily not just on the environmental cues, but maybe more so to a to an exaggerated extent on the theories that the mind has been working on up to that point. So it'll cram uh, that situation into the story that it's already been developing about what's going on. Um, so it'll make those ambiguous situations fit with what it's already with, with what the mind's already been constructing. So uh, I guess the dictionary term for what I'm trying to describe 
is called confabulation. So the affected individual will confabulate, uh, basically just make up a story to fit that situation, explaining the intentions of others in a way that's consistent with their story, explaining the motivations of others in a way that's consistent with that story, and they will confabulate or just make their thinking will just make up an explanation to account for the intentions of others, the motivations of others. Um, and obviously, uh, of course, but I have to point out, the affected individual is not aware that their mind is doing this. So for example, one of the things that you might see in a patient who's waiting to be admitted into the hospital, um, who's already seen psychiatrists or medical staff, but who's in a waiting situation in that health, what you might see is that their mind starts to construct explanations for what's going on. And if there's paranoia evident already in the individual, then what what they're trying to do is make sense of the fact that there's just nothing happening. And so uh, I'm just going to throw out a couple examples here to try and help make this uh, my efforts to articulate this a little more concrete. So what, what they might start to assume is that they've been poisoned and that the... Um, that the people around them are all out to get them, but that they've been poisoned and that everybody's just waiting for that poison to kick in so that the individual would die. That's, that might be one of the themes that you'd see emerging. Another possible explanation for the whole hell of waiting scenario that I've been, that picture that I've been painting repeatedly is the idea that you're already dead and that you're in purgatory, that you're waiting for judgment to come upon you. Um, that might be a confabulated story that emerges for somebody that has a more religious bent uh, in their thinking. Um, they might similarly think that they're already dead and that they are in hell. Uh, and, that, and that state of mind that they're experiencing feels to them very much like a real hell. So what I'm trying to do with these illustrations, with the poisoning illustration, the uh, uh, the death illustration uh, is trying to I'm trying to point out in a concrete way uh, the way in which the mind can confabulate in an ambiguous situation where nothing much is going on where the mind is not uh, being stimulated in a way that we would think traditionally is stimulating even though you're just staring at four white walls um I'm trying to show that the mind is actually working in overdrive in this situation, trying to drum up uh, a reasonable explanation for what's going on. It's trying to jam together a story, and what ends up happening is it produces actually a very unreasonable explanation, what, what is called a delusion about what's going on, and it, uh, what I've been describing as a confabulation or just a made-up version of what uh, could account for the intentions and the motivations of the people around you in that moment. 
um, if you're suffering from psychosis. So next, I want to talk about the importance uh, of keeping intentions clear in aiding coping. But first, I want to give one more illustration of how ambiguity can lead to uh, confabulation, can lead to an increase in the uh, the un the unreality taking over uh, the reality of the situation. So the the development of the delusion. I want to give one more story or explanation uh, for what how that can happen. So for this for this story, I'm going to present. A situation and you I just need you to use your imagination to picture it uh, follow me a little bit here um, so two patients in a hospital uh, both admitted uh, for psychosis you're gonna you were, we'll call them patient Jane and patient Tom Jane approaches Tom and says um, a series of nonsensical um, statements Jane says to Tom um, baby alien and um, samurai and shows a picture of um, these drawings and so Jane's just trying to engage Tom in conversation but Tom is in a state of, ac of acute psychosis and Tom uh, has a really hard time with this artwork because he doesn't know Jane, he doesn't know her intentions, so there's some ambiguity in that situation. The artwork is not particularly clear portrayals um, of the way that Jane has given a description, and even Jane's description itself is not making the artwork it's very clear to Tom. What's it about? Tom doesn't know. Jane's not really explaining it. Um, Tom's, Tom doesn't have the... Um, the social skills in that situation in that moment to ask Jane what did she mean what are the what are the drawings about um, what what do they mean to her uh, and so on the interaction goes and Tom's mind is racing to try and make sense of these photos then uh, then Jane says uh, to Tom, did you are you interested in seeing more? Um, Tom, again, caught up in the ambiguity of the situation, says sure. And then Jane says to Tom, ten million dollars for starters. And this is just a baffling encounter for both of them. Um, they're both talking from very different points of view. Um, Jane's tr striving to have a uh, conversation with Tom but maybe both are struggling with their social skills and Tom at this point cuts off abruptly the conversation because he's confabulated he's built into this scenario um, some sort of uh, explanation for Jane's actions that includes her trying to bribe Tom and so Tom is offended he's shocked and appalled <laughs> He wants to get out of that situation as quickly as possible because his explanation for her words is that she's trying to bribe him with $10 million and Tom doesn't want to be bought. 
And so Tom, from Tom's perspective, he needs to get out of that situation. Jane is presenting an evil proposition to him and he needs to get out. And so the point of telling this long and drawn out story is really just to illustrate how a few innocuous words can be built into a narrative that can can be taken and misconstrued and built into a narrative that seems to reinforce Tom's thinking that people are trying to buy him off uh, and that people are out to get him um, and that can reinforce Jane's thinking that um, you know people in the hospital are rude and don't are not interested in her artwork and so on and so forth so I'll, I'll end the illustration there but I, I just encourage you to dwell on for a moment the importance of clarity when it comes to social interactions for people struggling with psychosis. This concludes part one of our discussion of intentions and motivations from the perspective of a person suffering psychosis. Uh, on, on the next episode, we'll be discussing, um, I think, the practical implications of this um, of these ideas that have laid the groundwork for what can be done for a person suffering from psychosis to reduce ambiguity, to increase clarity, to increase empathy for that individual, so that they can um, so that they can uh, think better, so that they can cope better, and so that there's no mixed messages for the person suffering from psychosis. And we'll talk a little bit about what that might look like and give some, some concrete examples of, of how you might be able to do that. So if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, I hope you have. And I hope that you'll subscribe and continue listening. If you have any questions or issues that you want to raise, please see the email address uh, in the description for this episode. And please do feel free to email. Um, and I'll be happy to hear from you. I hope that you are well today, uh, be well, and I wish you all the best. Have a great day.